live from the Elliott Avenue studios. One is the former captain of the women's Husky basketball team. Okay, let me tell you something. That might be the worst call I've ever seen. The other is the sports columnist for the Seattle Times. This is Elise and Jerry. Powered by Brooks Running Company. Run happy with Brooks. Visit them online at brooksrunning.com. Now with Jerry Brewer, here's Elise Woodward. Jerry out today, and instead it's Spike O'Neill. And if I ever needed a little pick-me-up, it would be today. And you know what? Just looking at Spike, you know, you make me feel a little bit better there, sir. You got your Seahawks Super Bowl championship t-shirt on. Thank you. you. You're looking great. You've dropped how many pounds now? 34. The goatee is long. It's Getting in true there. summer riding form. I love you. You're the got best. Got Spike up. You're ready to go. I am pretty, uh, pretty happy today. And I know that it's a dark day for me to be happy. Um, but it's like, you know, the NBA died for me. They're like Fredo in the Godfather series to me when Stern did what he did to us. Uh, so yesterday's, it's like somebody dug up my relative and killed him again. Killed him again. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was I, optimistic. I don't have the, the, the I, I've been through this process. I took the air spike. I went to the press conference when the city council sat up there and smiled and laughed their way through the send-off of the team to Oklahoma City. Right. And I had to come back and do a show about an hour after that. I'll never forget the emotion that it was just a punch to the gut. And the disappointment and the rage and everything was, I'm not nearly there with the news that C-Bomber brought the Clippers. It's a completely different level for me. I think what the overriding emotion is for me is just pure disappointment that he didn't want to do it here that he didn't feel like there was a clear path here that he's keep he just keeps banging his head against the wall like all of us fans we don't have an option I don't give a rip about the Clippers being in LA no don't care my passion is only if a team is here in Seattle he has that ability he has that option and to be very honest I don't hold that against him I really Mm. don't because I understand that frustration that I don't have $20 billion. Maybe it would be different if I did. But it's I think for the fans that are here and the frustration and there's anger and there's angst and there's you know, all kinds of emotions that, mm-hmm. you know, there's abandonment. There's like, wh- why are you why are you just abandoning your group with Chris Hansen and the Nordstrom's to go on your own to do this? I understand logically why he did it. But right. I don't think there's any reason that people can't be frustrated and angry, though. I mean, it's just... The percentages, it's not over, but boy, oh boy, it took a hit. We took our big – this this is like us losing Russell Wilson and still having a great team and being able to compete for a Super Bowl. That's the kind of hit I think the city's efforts to return the NBA took when Balmer jumped out of our – we lost our big whale. I mean, we did. We yeah. lost our big whale. Somebody told me this week, um, I think it might have been Shockey, that when Chris Hansen spoke to the NBA Board of Governors, Regents, whoever they spoke with, uh, they they were like, okay, okay, and they nodded. But when Steve Ballmer stood up and said, look, if there's a bill, I'll pay it, and you know I can, that dropped a ton of weight on the NBA. And for that guy to leave town, that diminishes our chances. It, it, you can't say that it doesn't. There's no way to say that. There, there's a side of me that almost admires what he did. Because I saw this as, and I've seen the NBA and Seattle's relationship as, we have been the cuter option at last call. for every. Seriously, we're the, we're the, we're the city that everyone is going to be we're the gun to the head of every city in the NBA. It's already happened in Sacramento. It's already yep. happened in Milwaukee. And it would continue to be so until everybody got everything they needed. And then, and only then, would Seattle get justice 
and a return of the NBA. And Steve Ballmer's looking at this situation like, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be that guy that you use as a pawn. I'm not going to be that guy that is your justification for bending every municipality over and getting whatever you need for. And it's the owners. And I mean, I guess if you're representing the owners and you're the commissioner, that's that's your job. I mean, it's to govern and and, and steward the the benefit of the league and the game and the fans, but ultimately the owners. You're working for the owners. So Balmer's like, I'm not going to be that guy. That's that's the bullet in your gun, and you're not going to like deny my claim you're not going to vote that well maybe given the scenario with which sterling left the nba that a minority ownership would probably be in the best interest for the players association and the fan base and the public relations of this league so bomber came in and said yeah it's worth maybe 900 million here's two now say no right he took he took all the chips out of their hands all of them well he and i and i admire that he wouldn't let himself be played like that because it's life short you know the guys like you i heard you saying yesterday this is a team that doesn't have to grow up, Mm-mm. doesn't have to develop, doesn't have to go through the pains of an expansion draft. It's not an expansion team. This is a, a ring-ready team. They could be hoisting a trophy, especially with an owner that's got the foresight and the deep pockets to do what it takes. to put. When Allen bought the Seahawks, that, that was an owner that had and saw what it would take to build a facility, a fan base, a machine, a coaching staff, everything that would win a championship. And Ballmer's got – he's that guy – this is that team. How how could you not? Yeah, no, I I think from Steve Ballmer's perspective, it makes a ton of sense. Well, I I I one hundred percent understand why he did it. From a Seattle lens, it's just disappointing because the odds of the NBA coming back and yep. and it, for me, it boils down and why I get so emotional about it and pissed because I got two kids that are right. growing up that love basketball. Right, I can't share that experience with them. We've gone down to the Blazer games a couple of times. Mm -hmm. It is not the same, nor will it ever be the same. I have to keep my kids from buying Kevin Durant Oklahoma City jerseys. I will only allow them to wear Seattle Sonic Kevin Durant jerseys. I, I, I have just that drives me insane. And I'm sorry, it's just a visceral reaction to know that my kids. Pretty soon they're not going to be kids. I mean, we all see that. It's the same emotion for Steve Ballmer. I'm sure life is short. I don't want to sit here at the age of 58 and 10 years from now still be without an NBA basketball team. Right. The guy's bored. The guy is one of the smartest men out there, mm-hmm. highly successful, the 39th richest man in the world. Personally for him, I get it. It's not about him. I am selfish. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> I wanted you. him to stay here with Chris Hansen and fight to the absolute last drop that he yeah. had to bring NBA basketball here to Seattle. I don't necessarily blame him for not but that's what I wanted selfishly because I think that you did you took that big whale what I really think because we have felt this the day that the Sacramento Kings went from what we felt was a 99% chance of getting done and coming to Seattle yeah it felt great I remember celebrating with my kids going and picking up at school and and all the kids the murmurs and you know, everybody was jumping up and down and being like, yeah, freaking gold. out. And freedom gold. Everywhere. It was just awesome. Everybody was so yep. fired up the day that it was announced that they bought the team. And and that emotion and, you know, to I don't feel that the, the angst. We, but I under I understand that why people are. I mean, I think it's kind of just the way you react generally as a person. Mm-hmm. When something goes wrong in your life, are you going to react angrily? Are you going to react with sadness, are you going to act with, okay, think it's just kind of your natural 
how you are predisposed to react to things, I think, when you're really passionate about this. Right. I get the texts and I get the emails from people that say, I don't even care. Whatever. Well, then you were never a true ba- a passionate fan. You can't not care if you ever went to a Sonic game and had a great time with your buddies or your kids or your family or, you know, ever truly were a passionate fan. And if you weren't, okay, that's fine. That's your right. own deal. Right. But it, then just admit you didn't care like some of us bled green and gold. There's that the thin line between love and hate. That's you're exactly right. If if you are unfazed by this today, then you were, eh, you were meh about the, the NBA comeback to Seattle. If you were a true Sonic fan, this hurts deep. This yeah. cuts hard. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't think it, I in my heart of hearts I don't think it's over. I don't think it's over. I think it took a hit, and that's the thing that. I want to hear from Chris Hansen. I mm-hmm. want to know the next plan. I want to know over the next three years while there's still an MOU in Seattle, mm-hmm. I want to know the next steps. I want to look at it realistically of this is how it will get done. This is what our next focus is because the Clippers came out of nowhere. Nobody could have anticipated when – nobody could have right. anticipated, one, that those comments that were recorded without him knowing would blow this up and the players would would threaten well, a the, mutiny. The playoffs and, might have gotten derailed if this thing hadn't Correct. Nobody could have anticipated right. that, and nobody could have anticipated Steve Ballmer moving on. We can't anticipate what the next move is for Chris Hansen. Losing Steve Ballmer is a hit, but that doesn't mean that they necessarily – that it's it's – I don't believe it's over. I really, no. in my heart of hearts, don't believe that it's over. I just want to know the next clear path and what Adam Silver is telling him and them and this region because there is a window, and, it, it, and the window is closing every single day on that MOU. It is. Do you think that Hansen and Balmer, I'm sure they had a conversation when Balmer just doesn't go to the NBA and make this offer, and Hansen isn't blindsided by that. You don't get so far into a relationship and a commitment and a partnership with somebody without going ahead of time. Does Balmer approach Hanson and say, look, I'm doing this. What, what do you need? How can we help? Is, is there already something oh, in sure. place? I mean, how long will it be before Hanson makes the statement that you asked him to make? And he I needs think to it make will be statement. soon because after so Sacramento, too. it did, I think, assuage a lot of people's feelings at that time. And he's going to come out and make a statement. Uh, Bill Ryder works at Fox Sports. Um, I, I love this. I hope to hell that he's right. <laughs> I have my doubts, but he said uh, on JT the Brick yesterday he still expects Balmer to move the team to Seattle. Now, that would be amazing, but there's like a 10-year lease. Bill, tell me how it happens. I'd love to hear it. I just don't know if I can believe it, Bill. Yeah, guys. I have a column coming on this at FoxSports.com here in the next couple hours. It's less that I believe that it'll happen. I believe Balmer wants it to happen. And more that I think this is the right move. Look, this is what should happen. I think the owners and the NBA and fans should embrace Palmer's bid, not because he's promising to keep the team in L.A., which he is, because I think in his heart he wants to move the team to Seattle. You don't get to be a billionaire without being ruthless and winning the long term and seeing the long game. And I live in L.A. I love L.A. We don't need the Clippers. We don't need the team. And Seattle does, and you guys know this, in order to get a team in the modern era, you have to go to another city and you have to steal it. It's Darwinism. That is the only way that a team, that a city gets a new team. That's the only way Seattle gets a team. And for my money, Los Angeles is the only market with a team where when that team leaves, it really won't be destructive or hurtful to the city. Hmm. It just makes too much sense. Yeah, they already got basketball. They don't need it, Bill. They what? don't need it. 
I mean, look, I moved here a year ago, and I'm not exaggerating when I say when I go to get my license renewed to the DMV, I just want to get a cup of coffee. When I go to school, like public institutions and private businesses, they are draped in purple and gold. It is a cult. It is, it is borderline weird. The Clippers guys are an afterthought. I understand that, that, that Staples makes a lot of money, that Arrangement makes a lot of money. Seattle, as you know, had a team ripped from it, stolen from it. I'm actually a two minds of this. I love that the Thunder are in are in a small town in Oklahoma City. I've lived in Oklahoma City. I'm from the Midwest. But look, let's be honest. Seattle deserves a team. It needs a team. And if Ballmer's not bringing that team to Seattle, even in 10 years, I just it's hard for me to see how you guys get one. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Uh, Bill Ryder from Fox Sports joining us here on Sports Radio KJR. The business side of this, $2 billion for this yeah. franchise, Bill. It's a complete overpay. When you look at the revenues, except for the TV contract that's upcoming, I, I guess the real question is, did he completely overpay because it's just a toy, or is this going to completely incre- – are, are the NBA franchises – way undervalued at this point than what we ever anticipated? I, I think the answer is, is both. When the Sterling story first broke and I was making calls to sources, someone in an ownership group told me $1.4 billion is what the team was worth, at least. And I went on Fox Sports Live, our show over at Fox Sports 1, and said this and got shouted down by Gary Payton, by business people, by executives we brought on the show. And it turns out that I understated it, did not overstate it, some of that, too, is, look, Steve Ballmer has made more than $2 billion on his stock increasing his 300-plus million shares of Microsoft since he stepped down. So the guy has the money. He is so rich as if it's actually stupid how much money he has. It is a toy, and that's part of the reason I think that he could be playing the long game. You have that much money, you don't care about the contempt of people in Los Angeles. You say what you have to say. You spend what you have to spend. You get the team. Maybe you wait out the 10-year lease. And then you do what you want to do if Seattle matters to you, and obviously it matters to Ballmer, and you bring the team there. So, yes, I think that they're undervalued. I think Forbes is wrong. Big teams worth a lot more money, especially because of the way television works now. Live sports programming is the only thing that is TiVo-proof. It's going to be the future of TV. Everybody knows that. I think Steve Ballmer is a very wealthy man who wants his trophy and probably in a decade wants to move it to Seattle. Mm. Bill, Steve Ballmer's got that kind of cash. He's got that kind of cushion. He can afford to overpay. He might even be able to afford to bring the team to Seattle. If, if two billion is too much for LA, it's infinitely too much for Seattle. Not all owners yeah, no share. Doubt. Not all owners share that cushion. Don't the other owners have to approve a move whenever it may be? And wouldn't that hurt the other owners financially having a team in Seattle instead of two in LA? Isn't second place in LA worth more money to the other owners than a team in Seattle? They certainly do, and so it gets to be politics. But I imagine that absolutely Clay Bennett gives his vote and his political support to moving a team to Seattle to try to make up for that. You know the Buss family would be overjoyed by the Clippers moving elsewhere. I mean, think about how much the Lakers are worth today, and then think about how much more they're worth if the Clippers aren't here. And, look, I'm an NBA guy. I cover the NBA. I do it for TV, radio, writing. I write about the NBA. I talk about the NBA for a living. But the truth is, the NBA isn't that relevant outside of NBA markets. It's just not. In Kansas City, Missouri, people don't care about the NBA that much. You add a market, you add Seattle, wherever it is, you own another market, especially this time of year. I think it makes tons of sense. Now, does it devalue the Clippers, who will be renamed the Supersonics? 100% it does. They're not worth $2 billion in Seattle. But if Steve Ballmer doesn't care, and I'm a different owner, I don't think it's that big. You're not going to lose the L.A. TV market. It's not like Lakers fans aren't going to watch Lakers games, even when they're not very good. They're going to with the Celtics for the most important brands in the entire league. 
I think it I think it makes all the sense in the world in the long term for the Clippers to go somewhere else to grow the game. Whether that's Vegas or it's Seattle or it's London, I, I don't know. But in 15 years living here, the Clippers being in this town don't make sense to me. Hey, Bill, Chris Hansen's going to need somebody else to step in to Steve Ballmer's place. There's an MOU. We're just sitting out here in Seattle and waiting and waiting, and we've been used as a pawn time and time again now. Uh, it's A lot of people are feeling the situation is, um, uh, I don't know if it's hopeless. I think some people may feel that. I don't believe that. But realistically, you cover the NBA. When will Seattle, will it be expansion? Will it be the Milwaukee Bucks not getting an arena done? Will, what can people out here look to to you know have any kind of a path for the NBA to be here? I think there's three scenarios. I think the most likely scenario is that someone goes out from Seattle and basically takes a team away from another city, which you guys have to decide if you feel good about. If I'm you, I feel great about it because it's Darwinism. If you want an NBA city in your market, that's probably – yeah, it's Memphis. It, it certainly could be Milwaukee, and, and it could be the Clippers as we've discussed. The other option is expansion, just a straight-up expansion. I think the most likely scenario in that case, guys, is that they put a team in London long-term. We're talking five, ten years. They do want to expand into Europe. And so maybe to balance that out, they put a team in Seattle, and they do Seattle right. I mean, there's no doubt you guys got absolutely closed when that team went to Oklahoma City. And I think the third option, frankly, is that it doesn't happen, and you continue to be used as a pawn four teams that renegotiate new arena deals and get everything that they want. I don't think Milwaukee probably is the route. I think, guys, it's the Clippers or some kind of an expansion involving Europe, and you guys get a part of that out west. Oh, involving Europe. I just don't uh... – I, I don't see that either. No, I, it doesn't might look be good. Right. The Clippers are your best shot. Like, I really think – and it may be 10 years. I just – I really think the Clippers are really your best shot. No, oh, that's uh, – I don't know. Go ahead, Spike. Bill, the, the story from uh, Sterling's lawyer – Daniel or David or Donald Sterling's lawyer is that he's not giving up and they won't return calls, yada, yada, yada. But there he was deemed incapacitated, mentally incapacitated by a board of experts. And that's what gave Shelley the ability to make this deal with Balmer. Does that have any, does that have any legs? Is that, is there any way they're going to, they're going to hold up this deal with that defense? It's a great question. I wish I had an answer. The only answer I have is you now have billionaires fighting with billionaires. I mean, Steve Ballmer obviously has billions of dollars. Donald Sterling says he has at least $2 billion in cash reserves. He doesn't care about the money. I don't know if it's a legitimate ruling by this board. I do know this is going to be fought every step of the way by Donald Sterling. Now, it sounds like, from all indications, the sale will go through. It'll proceed. But I don't think Donald Sterling is going quietly, peacefully, or graciously into the night. I think this will be fought every step of the way in the courts. And eventually, guys, I think a judge will make that decision. It'll be interesting. Bill, appreciate your time uh, and your expertise. Uh, we'll, uh, maybe we'll check back in with you as this thing develops with uh, the lawyers and uh, mentally incapacitated. I think we've both been it's accused crazy. of that at some point. Every Spike. other day. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bill, thanks, thanks man. Yep, have a good yeah. one. That's uh, Bill Ryder from Fox Sports. You can check him on Twitter at Fox Sports Ryder. It's R-E-I-T-E-R. Um, we'll come back. I want to get your reaction to that. Uh, Spike O'Neill in today. I've already got a ton of texts flowing in. Love Spike. He's the best. Somebody just asked him to do ragtime Spike. We will. We'll see. We can talk about We will lighten the mood at 11 o'clock because we kind of started to play this a little bit with Jerry Brewer. Beating Jerry at Name That Tune. The funny part is that Jerry doesn't know any tunes. So I thought it'd be like just giving away prizes from Uh Brooks. Brooks shoes, Brooks jacket, Brooks swag bag. 
Except for that the music chosen by Taylor was so crazy, nobody got it. Taylor, look, he's back there. He's pumping his fist. He knows it. <laughs> now, you got the best in the world. I'm telling you, Spike not only can name that song, he can play that song. He can tell you the lyrics. He can give you the chord. Nobody's going to beat Spike if I you beat him at favor. 11. I ask one favor. No 90s R&B. <laughs> I know none of that. That's the none only that. thing Jerry knows. Um, uh, he, I, I might be able to cover that. Uh, we'll do that coming up. But want your reaction. You hear that from Bill. Your your gut reaction to Steve Ballmer buying the Clippers for $2 billion. Do you think the NBA is ever going to come back? We'll, we'll talk about that coming up with you, 800-829-0950 and 2869595 after checking the cars. You put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be. I don't care what the scoreboard says at the end of the game. Like Elise and Jerry on Seattle Sports Radio 950 There was a deal to, for a, group, a very good group from Seattle to buy this team. Ballmer, the CEO of Microsoft and others. You know, perfect prototype for an NBA owner. Perfect prototype. And yet, they didn't give him the Sacramento Kings, even though they outbid significantly. It would have gone higher, and they said, no, we'll put the brakes on it. We don't, don't go higher. No, don't do that. It just, I mean, I, uh, the frustration standpoint when you're sitting here and it's like, no matter what you do, no matter how you approach it, you right. just can't get this team back. And the timing, timing is everything. We, you know, it's a cliche and it's so true. The timing right now is that Steve Ballmer stepped down from Microsoft. He's got... Money burning a hole in his pocket. Idle hands. Probably yep. bored. He's made. Th- th- Bill say he'd made enough to buy the the Clippers yeah. since he retired, just yeah. by b- drawing breath two, and waking up. Two billion dollars in Microsoft stock has increased that much for him, is what he reported. You know, I feel like the NBA never, never would have under Stern, never would have uh, taken a deal to move the the Kings. They want the Kings in Sacramento. That's a tiny market. That's never going to get another team that they're never going to get to again if the Kings leave. They want that little market to thrive. They got him a new arena. They got him a fat owner. They got a guy that can lose money for decades and it not hurt him so, by keeping a team in Sacramento. So that I probably never the – the only chance we have of getting a Sacramento Kings team is if that patchwork of real estate they have to put an arena together, which still isn't done, falls through. Or like you said, if Milwaukee, which has half the money they need to build right. an arena and no chance of public funding – yeah, if I, that I, doesn't come true. I disagree with Bill that I don't think that the most likely scenario is, is this the, the Clippers. I would say no. that would be the third most likely scenario, yeah. and that's in ten years. It's a decade. So he he didn't mention Balmer breaking the lease. He said wait out the lease. Yeah, what that's he what said. he was talking hmm. about uh, to break the lease. Maybe I mean uh, if he were to look, we all saw it on you know that exact same scenario with. Clay Bennett, right? when he came and said, absolutely, we're going to work hard for an arena, we're going to keep it here, and we all knew, and in our heart of hearts, we knew that, and what he was projecting. Now, there's already an arena. The Staples Center is a an arena. They obviously mm-hmm. share it with the Kings, and they share it with the Lakers, but that arena is fine. It's a lease Beautiful. of at least, ten, I think, yeah. 10 more years. Yep. Um, so it's a, that part is a totally different situation and scenario. To keep them in L.A., the thing about them is they were in San Diego. The mm-hmm. Clippers are definitely second fiddle NBA team, and and they're behind the Dodgers. They're behind the LA Kings, for God's sakes. I yeah. I wonder, and that's a good question, the Clippers. The thing about the Clippers is that when we talk about timing, they've been horrible for decade upon decade. They finally, with Chris Paul being awarded by David Stern, thanks a lot, should have been a Laker. Right. That, that part of the equation, of course— Right. Somehow it's going to come back and bite Seattle. And then Blake Griffin, 
being the number one overall pick, that it mm-hmm. finally a number one overall pick that works. That hits for them, Not the yeah. Candyman, Michael Olu Candy. This one actually worked. But right now they are set up. They are one of the top five teams in the NBA. When you talk about title hope contenders, yep. and they will be for the next few years. Chris Paul's under contract. Blake Griffin's under contract. Jamal Crawford's under contract. And Steve Ballmer, when he's got money and you're in L.A., and the Lakers are no longer the chic team. You're, they're going to have be able to pull free agents. You'd imagine, yeah. If they can, you know, fit them under the cap and the restrictions there. But he'll he'll be fine circumventing the cap and and taking the hits. Bummer doesn't care. No. So that's a situation for immediate success. It is. I mean, we heard the it analogy. Is. You know, you, you were you were born on third base and thought you hit a triple. <laughs> I mean, that's that's, that's exactly. He's right. going to walk into yeah. a situation. That's yeah. that's we we said that. You know, we were laughing about it last week. I can't remember who I was talking about with Oklahoma City. But that's certainly true with this situation. They are just set up immediately. You walk in and you're good to go. Right. We 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 drafted Westbrook. We drafted Durant. We paid the we watched those bartenders and doormen in Sonic uniforms play for a couple seasons. Guys that had no business being in the NBA playing well so we could get these draft picks, so we could stockpile yeah. this team and then move them across the country, which he always intended to do. Although Bill made some great points. Bill Reader made some great points about when his argument about why they could move. I mean, they made sense. I still don't think it's going to happen, but yeah. his arguments were well thought out and had some logistical or logical practicalities to them. Um, some of the text line coming in, some of the comments from people. I, I, I sense the frustration for from many, many people. Um, you know, it's one completely disagrees with me. Uh, the, at least you're not being fair. He did a lot to get a team here. He will forever have income coming to his family because he owns a team in a big time city. Okay, I, I get that. I can still be. F- I'm not mad at Steve Ballmer. That's I'm not. I'm mad at the process. Right. I'm mad at all of the horrible timing throughout the years for fans of NBA basketball here in Seattle. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm mad about. I'm disappointed that Ballmer abandon the quest to bring NBA basketball here. But I've said, I understand it. Yeah. It doesn't make it any less frustrating though. I guess it does. I mean, if I don't feel like he's being spiteful or vengeful or anything like that, I just think he's pursuing his dream and he's 58 and there's an opportunity and he's not going to be denied. Right. He's as passionate about it as we are. We have different manifestations of what, I mean, we can watch and we can hope and we get mad when it doesn't happen. He's got $20 billion. When he gets mad, he makes something happen. And he did. He was mad that he, the Sacramento didn't get didn't get done. He was probably bitter that they wouldn't let him keep bidding. I heard you and Mitch talking about, you know, should he have offered a billion dollars? Probably. You can look back on that. But remember, they said we will continue to bid and bid and bid. Right. And they wouldn't let him. And they would not allow them to continue to bid up. Now, should they have initially bid more? Well, they, they bid it was everybody made fun of how much money right. they bid at the time. That was it was an inordinate amount of money for what the Kings had been valued at. Well, but relevant relevant to this same situation. Yeah. You know, I mean, as, as stupid as the Sacramento bid seemed to us now, that, that's how stupid the Clipper bid seems to everybody else. Right. Two billion? I mean, it's all relative. Oh, man, it, it's, uh, it, it is crazy. Another one. You guys don't get it at all. Seattle now has an advocate inside the NBA cartel. Don't you understand how valuable and powerful that is? We've got, we've already had many advocates yeah. inside it, the And NBA it didn't cartel. do anything. It was right. 22 to 8 for the Sacramento Kings to move to Seattle. Next time it'll be 20 to 10. I, I, and You know, because, I mean, of course Clay Bennett was already on our side. You know, Alan was already on our side. I, maybe, I guess. Maybe now we get the buses and we get the you know, the Balmers. The point two. is, yes, it can't hurt. But 
Balmer not being part of the Chris Hansen trifecta with the Nordstroms, that hurts a lot more yeah. than the, it would help in an NBA Board of Governors meeting One saying, vote. hey, it'd be pretty awesome to get Seattle a team. Maybe. I mean, it, it certainly didn't help that Balmer Hansen and the Nordstroms together on their bid for Sacramento. They shoved that right back in their face. Yep. So, you know, the as I've said, and we'll wrap it up and let's let's move forward and, and get to what was a great day for the Seahawks and also the 49ers are nowhere near having the offseason that the Seahawks have had. We'll we'll talk about that coming up. Um I think the the bottom line with Steve Ballmer in this, the, the process still has a long way to go before we put this to bed with Steve Ballmer. The mentally incompetent thing with Donald Sterling, how that plays out. He has been known to be litigious. That's what he prides himself in. Yeah, I, I, There's still some, there's a lot to be determined there with that. Right. And being deemed mentally incompetent. Now, I don't, I think it may be just a little bit of a messier situation than this. Steve Ballmer's going to buy it for $2 billion and it's done and we right. move onward. There will be some things. I don't know. That part is something certainly to watch. For those that want as badly as I do to have the NBA basketball back in Seattle, it took a hit today. But, but I think just wrapping that up, I don't think it's over yet. I really don't think it's over there. There still is an MOU, the NHL. Would love to be here. Yeah. It needs an NBA team here first. But if Chris Hansen can get the arena built and if the NHL and if the, there are still many great pieces to work with. It's just the odds went down. Yeah. And this is still the fastest growing city in America. Yeah. It's yeah. the fastest growing city in America. We've got so many industries. Got so, we, we're going to have the only clean water in America in 20 years. <laughs> right here. It's the only place under 100 degree average. It's going to be right here in 20 years. They want to be here. They really do. Uh I think our chances are good, but they got pushed back 10 years. They really did. It happened 10 years. Well, 10 years, that lease is up in L.A. Maybe the Clippers will be here in a decade. Perfect time. Well, I mean, you, know, you thought about the mental incapacitated ruling. That seems that was the whole linchpin that turned a deal, it seems to me. As soon as Shelly got him deemed a whack job, and the, yep. all the evidence dictates that, but as soon as she got that yeah. ruling from Hale of Experts, she could sign a deal with Balmer. So if that's the, that, if that's the, the linchpin that made this thing happen, that's going to be what makes, I think Bill's right, that a judge is going to decide whether this deal goes through. It'll get signed fast, but whether it goes through, we'll be a judge. Doug Baldwin had this press conference yesterday to announce that he will stay with Seattle. He'll be here for the next three years, two-year extension on top of the year that what uh, he'd already agreed to. Why this was such an important signing for the Seahawks, you'll hear from Pete Carroll and John Schneider coming up next. Plus the 49ers right now. If you haven't checked in on what their offseason has been like, we will do that coming up in the show as well. Uh, and if you just need to smile today for whatever reason, stay with us. There will be much more to smile about on a Friday when it's gorgeous weather outside. Uh, we'll do that coming up. Spike O'Neill in for Jerry here on Sports Radio KJR. Hey. My dad yeah. loves the song. Yeah, man. Spike is coming up at 11 o'clock. We're going to have some fun. Instead of focusing on the terrible, we're going to have some fun with some music. If you really think you know music, you can bring it at 11 o'clock and challenge Spike. Not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy at all, but you do have a chance to win a pair of Brooks shoes, Brooks jacket, but you got to beat Spike to do it, and that's tough. You better really bring it or get lucky, because Spike will sing it with, like, two notes. Uh, this just filed by TMZ. Um, sources tell us that Steve Ballmer was able to separate himself from the pack of potential L.A. Clippers buyers by making an all-cash offer what? to buy the squad. 
Can you imagine two with two billion in cash? Billion like? all cash <laughs> wow. offer. Who? I mean, I mean, really? Think about what that would take. Oh man! What if you had that in just a big suitcase? Oh, it would be what, dump what trucks. are the bills? I mean, dump trucks. How would you? What kind of bills? What's the? I don't know this. This is a fact that Spike, I bet knows. What's the largest bill denominator? Is it ten thousand? Uh, is ten thousand dollars the biggest bill? Don't think that's bill? still made. I don't think not that's still made. made. I think. I think. There's uh, some in circulation, but ever? I don't think they make them anymore. No. No. I think it's a. I think it's a hundred thousand dollar bill. Thousand dollar bill. Yeah. Thousand dollar bills are still, still in highest? circulation. Okay. Thousand dollar bill. Yeah. So. By the way, two billion in cash would fill an apartment in a uh, uh, ten by ten apartment building. Uh, and you can still have enough room to stack five AK-47s on top. I learned that <laughs> when watching the uh, Mexican drug cartels run cash and guns. Did you ever Seriously. see uh, yeah. the show Too Breaking Bad? Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the part where he's laying in the, the bed of cash. Yeah. Big Yule. It's, that's a pretty good. I, I've Two never been able a, to do that. Is that a 12-barrel deal then? Two billion? Oh, 12 yeah, barrels. I'll tell you what. Here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you to work. Somebody, please. How many $1,000 bills will it take? To create two billion. Two million. Two million. That's really quick math. That's fast. I'm not good at math. So two million, one thousand dollar bills, and you could have the Clippers too. Just as easy as that. All cash. But you got to build an arena. Well, there you go. You know, I thought that I was gonna stop talking about Steve Ballmer. Damn it, I I will. But that's just I saw that and I was like, what the hell? Let's talk about something good, and that is the Seahawks. Uh, I thought this was really interesting of why Doug Baldwin was so important to Seattle and the way that he's conducted his business. Here's what John Schneider, GM, had to say yesterday about Doug Baldwin. Uh, I wanted to talk about Doug as, a, as an individual. Uh, when you talk about passion, confidence, character, um, this is this is the epitome of that right here. Uh, he's He was, the, uh, was named our uh, Seahawk Man of the Year in the community, so everybody knows what type of person he is um, in terms of sharing uh, – his knowledge and, and and doing whatever he can for the community um, and and really just trying to reach out. As John Schneider, he could not have been more effusive in his praise yesterday. And you'd imagine that it's his press conference, but the tone of it was interesting. It was this guy has established and epitomizes everything of what it means to be a Seahawk from being overlooked and he talked chip on the shoulder mm-hmm. and the passionate, like it just the willingness to work to be the very best at your craft. It, I, I was struck by how much they praised him. It was, you know, we've been we've seen a lot of these press conferences over the off season. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this one struck me. Maybe because he wasn't he's not considered a huge star on the team, but it was interesting to me. Well, he wasn't your Richard Sherman getting signed. He wasn't your Earl Thomas. Getting, I mean, Earl Thomas, the first round draft pick, clearly probably the best safety in the game, earned that deal. Richard Sherman showcased himself not just as a, the best corner in the game, but one of the biggest personalities in the game. You expected that deal to come down. Like I said, Doug Baldwin wasn't even drafted. But here's a guy who nobody worked harder. I think he personally retired Champ Bailey. I'm sorry, the full name is Never Be a Champ Bailey. <laughs> I mean, if you watch every every time you saw the NFL, and I've watched the Super Bowl about 35 times between the Have hour, you really? I got a half-hour version. I got an hour version. I got the full version. I got the FX version. <laughs> Saved on my DVR, and I watch them all the time. Um, watching Champ Bailey just get schooled by Doug Baldwin. And I mean, he gave him props for it, too. He did. A nice move, kid, you know. I mean, it was that's that is Doug Baldwin. That that touchdown catch Doug Baldwin made in the Super Bowl. That wasn't just an open guy getting hit. That was a guy d- beating out four tacklers from the seven to the goal line. Four different guys could have had him ducking down and, he and swerved, duck, boom. Yeah, I mean, duck, 
duck, dip, dive, dodge, and dodge. Yeah, 5'10", 189, undrafted, and I think that because of that, he is always viewed through a different lens than those that are drafted higher. Yeah, and it's funny, yesterday was like somebody asked him, how do you keep motivated? How do you stay angry? He's like, look, there are still 29 receivers drafted before I was. You know, I was – I'm, a, I'm impressed by Schneider because you go out and you get these un, undrafted free agents, and the Seahawks are brilliant. At it. I mean, have you seen the press kit they put together or the kit they put together to send out to agents yeah. to, to woo undrafted players to Seattle? But you're, you're one of the teams that didn't draft them. I mean, it's one thing, like, like, you know, we didn't have a chance and nobody picked you, so come play for us. Seahawks passed them up, too. That's a really fine line to dance between – we want you. We're the best opportunity, but we didn't think enough of you to even waste a seventh-round pick. And this is you. this is what Baldwin said about that. Yeah, I sign my my name to a piece of paper. That piece of paper does nothing for me. Obviously, it gives me a little bit more security, but that's not why I play the game of football. I play the game of football because I love the game of football because I put everything into it, and um, that's what I'm passionate about. There was 28 guys taken above me in the draft in 2011. I was not drafted. Therefore, none of that changes. So every time I step out on that field, Richard Sherman. Byron Maxwell, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, they're going to pay. That's Doug Baldwin. How badass is that is to call out your teammates from practice? Yeah. You know, every time I step, Richard Sherman's going to pay. Oh, my God. (laughs) That is the greatest. Uh, They've been having that going all the way back to their days at Stanford. Uh, Here's Pete Carroll, and and this is what I think it's all about for Doug Baldwin. The way he attacked his opportunity when he came to the program just demonstrated that he's just the epitome of a great competitor and uh, has always battled at everything that we've done uh, to the point where we call him, you know, Angry Doug. But uh, it's, he's just got this way about him that just uh, stands out. And uh, I love that, that we get to make this gesture to him because we're rewarding a guy for who he is. So they're rewarding a guy for who he is, which is a guy with a chip on the shoulder, competitive, mm-hmm. angry, passionate about football. They want all of their players to be just like Doug Baldwin from their mentality of whether you're drafted first in the first round like Earl Thomas or whether right. you're not drafted at all to carry that mentality. And it's so clear. And that's what they said, We this gesture. It is showing the rest of the guys. We will reward those within our program no matter right. where you're drafted if you do these things. And you're all capable of doing this no matter where you're drafted. It's funny because, I mean, I wouldn't say that Red, Bo- Red Bryant wasn't as motivated, you know, energetic. I, mean, I don't know if he was angry. He seemed like such a bear. But guys like Chris Clemens and guys like Red Bryant who didn't get re-signed, who had to, they had to let him go, they make these decisions. And, I mean, it's a chess match, and nobody does it better than Schneider and Carroll. Nobody does it better. And you have to weigh what you can lose and what you can not afford to lose. I mean, I, to me, when Golden Tate left, I thought, oh, my gosh, that's a huge blow. And I know that he made more in Detroit. He was worth more to Detroit than he was worth to the Seahawks. And that's, not, I mean, that's only because of a situational thing. Detroit needed a number two. They're a throwing offense. Six years. I, I get it. You know, he was worth Five more. Years. Five years. He was worth more in Detroit than he was worth here. And I, I get that. But how do you, I mean, to make the decision that Doug Baldwin's a guy you cannot afford to let go. Yeah, you know? no, and they needed him. Uh, coming up, you want to win some Brooks shoes? You want to win a Brooks jacket, Brooks swag bag? Well, we um, have a guy here that I, I will call the best at name that tune. In the whole Seattle area, maybe the whole Northwest, the oh, world. I don't know. He knows his stuff. You have to challenge Spike. So call us at 286-9595. If you dare, 
All you got to do is try to challenge Spike. It's not that big of a deal. Don't love, be intimidated. I love giving away your stuff. I'm going to throw the whole thing. 9595 and 800-829-0950. We're going to have some fun coming up with Spike. If you can beat him and name that tune, you can walk away with some great prizes, all courtesy of Brooks. It's next, Sports Radio KJR.